0: that I studied in the Word a little bit this week and, and put together. So, well, I guess last week. This starts a new week today. This is the first day of the week, isn't it? So uh, I wanted to talk about it, and we'll uh, go from there. So we're going to start reading about it in 2 Corinthians, the fifth chapter, if those of you with Bibles want to turn there. And then we will uh, uh, look to the Lord in prayer and then get fired up. Father, we come to you this morning thankful for how good you are to your people. Lord, there's so much in your Word that uh, it seems like as the more we read it, the more we feel the need to speak on it or teach on it or share it or use it to make us the child of God you want us to be. So, blessed we pray this hour. May it all work to your honor and glory. And we'll praise you for how good you are in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to start reading in Second Corinthians, the fifth chapter, starting in verse number sixteen. And brother Steve, you got the everyday—a lot of that that you're going to read there. I was going to read some everyday, and I went out the study this morning and forgot to pick up my everyday, but. Now the only difference I want to say, if if you read it in the everyday and and roll it over into what we call the King James version that I'm reading, the word reconciliation that pops up and down throughout my reading in the everyday they use the word peace. So reconciliation is a making of peace when two people come together in peace. Amen. Do you have anybody you have peace with? Do you have any friends that you just Whenever you're around them, just get along. You don't fight, you don't fuss, you may disagree and you may argue and they may like one thing and you like others. They may like going out spring fishing and you may be busy mowing grass. So, you know, everybody's got their own thing. So, But we can get along and have peace. Amen? And I believe even Christ wants us, of course, we... Heard the Sunday school lesson on uh, unity. So um, for us to have unity and get along, it's just going to have to be some cooperation. So in verse 16, and I'm in Second Corinthians, the fifth chapter, it says, "Wherefore henceforth we know no man after the flesh." Yea. Though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now, henceforth, we know Him no more. Well, he's talking there to, remember, the Corinthian church and the issues that they had there. And we'll get into this a little deeper in a little bit. But just hit that in the back of your mind, keep it there, as we read this. Verse 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new." In most Bibles, that one's probably underlined, isn't it? Because we preached a whole lot on that as far as uh, the difference between being a sinner and being a Christian. There's two different worlds that they go in. Um, You want to put the old things behind you and go forth with the new things. Verse 18, and all things are of God. Hallelujah. Who hath reconciled us to Himself by Jesus Christ and hath given us the ministry of reconciliation. To wit, you know what to wit means? If you was to say that in today's language, you'd say, you know. That's what that means. Wit means no. You know what I'm talking about, right? That God was in Christ reconciling the world unto Himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of... Reconciliation. Now, then we are now, then we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead. Be ye reconciled to God, for we have made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So here we go. Uh, several times I said the word reconciliation through there, and Brother Steve will amen me when I say that means in the everyday, uh, that you get, there's peace between you and God. When you're a sinner, there's no peace between you and God. Amen. Do you enjoy having peace with God? Amen. That's one of the things we look for. There's two things I love about being a Christian. One is the peace, and the other one's the hope. I have a hope now that I didn't have when I was a sinner. Alright, in verse 16, each of us probably could sit down and think about what we think of all the people in the world. Man, almost over four billion. Now that's what a B, that's a lot. That's a pretty good sized crowd to be in. And some of us already have our mind made up about quite a few of them, what we think of them. Amen. Maybe we've seen them on TV. Maybe we've heard quotes from them. Maybe we've even had with the closer relationship right around us, personal relationships with people, that we've come to the conclusion uh, we've got some strangers around us. There's some strange things going on in this world. There are people that are just not seeing things the way we see them. Huh, what are we going to do about that? Why is that? Well, number one... We really don't know all that many people. You can say you've got a lot of friends, but when you compare that to four billion, that's not a whole lot of friends that you got. Amen? You may say you got a thousand. <coughs> Compared to four billion, that's nothing. But you can say that, um, and really, we really don't, as far as a world standard, know that many people. And number two, most of the ones that we know really don't, We don't really understand them the way they think we should understand them. Amen? In other words, they don't agree with, or we don't agree necessarily with the way they're thinking, and so they just write us off. They stay away from us. Number three, the ones that we really think we have got figured out, somehow, from time to time, do some of the dumbest things and cause us to scratch our heads and say to ourselves, who is that person? I thought I knew them. Some of them live in the same house you live in. Some of them are coworkers. Some of them are real close acquaintances, and you think you really know them until they did it. I don't know what they're thinking. Amen? And that's the way the world seems to be nowadays. Of course, you have the choice to do whatever you want in your life. You can think any way you want. You can do whatever you want. And you can go wherever you want, so to speak. You have that freedom, especially in the United States of America. But on the other hand, if you're trying to be influential over people, man, you've got to know where they stand sometimes, you know? you got uh, to talk to them, uh, I've talked to some people, and before I could finish the question or the sentence I was saying, they changed the subject. <laughs> How am I supposed to relate to that? You know, oh well. So, but here we are, and we're talk, reading out of the Scriptures here, and Paul's writing, if you will, to the first century church in Corinth. Man, did they have a lot of problems. If you read 1 and 2 Corinthians, you'll see that they were all of so many different mindsets you can't believe, if you would. And yet we think we got problems just around our little group here. I think that one of the bigger churches in the Scriptures that was written about, or two, was the church at Corinth. It was in one of the bigger cities. And that church had a lot of people. And of course, it was a melting pot kind of scenario where Corinth was because it was close to the sea and it was close to where ships could bring goods in and out and there was a lot of traffic in that particular town. And a lot of the things that were going on in Corinth were... Just because people didn't know one another all that well. Um, they didn't have uh, TV to keep up with the news. They didn't know what was going on. Somebody in the first century of Corinth walked up and said, Did you hear about that? Well, probably not, until you take the time to tell them. And if you don't take the fact you don't get the facts straight before you tell them, then you're misleading them, so to speak. And guess what they're going to do? They're going on their way home see somebody and say, Did you hear about that? And before you know it, the whole place is listening to things that probably aren't even factual or true. Well, guess what? That hasn't changed a whole lot in the 21st century. There's still a whole lot of confusion in people's minds uh, about what's going on in the church, uh, whether it's here in Mason or anywhere else. But the only constant person we can rely on and uh, that has remained constant through it all would be Jesus Christ in what he stood for. Amen? We can read about the early days of Christ, and we're going to. I'm going to show you some things about Christ and his teaching that he taught that you would think, well, why would he teach that? Well, at the to- that time, they were still under, if you would, the before calvary times uh, before the church had been built before the church was standing and then when we read from paul's writing we're reading after pentecost and after the church was established so there's a time gap in between there and some of the things god was doing in everything that should be there but everybody can and should know who jesus was What He could do for you if you ever uh, came to the conclusion that salvation is for whosoever will and comes to Him for a personal relationship. Amen. He's the only one we can go to to get our life straightened out. Of course, verse 17 is talking about being the new creature. Because you realize the old creature wasn't very popular. He wasn't the one that He wanted to be around. Those personal relationships we needed to have. That was was true when Jesus walked on this earth as well as when He moved on, if you would. Of course, that's what verse 19 says, to wit, or that means to know God was in Christ. From start to finish, God and Christ were in unity. In harmony, they were working the same page. They were together in everything they did. After all, that was Christ's purpose on earth when He came for His earthly ministry, and that was to prove that God put His total approval on what He was doing on this earth and uh, and what He was doing in His earthly ministry. And God called Him from the dead and brought him back to life, if you would, from the resurrection, to prove that God's approval was still on Jesus Christ. Amen. I think every Easter, that kind of steps in my mind has for quite a while now, God's approval was on Jesus Christ, because he didn't leave him in the the grave. He called him out and gave him a purpose beyond that. Even, uh, Brother Rob read that in the fourth chapter of Ephesians, and he said he was in heaven, came to earth, and went back to heaven. you notice there, if you read that, in that particular verse, it said, and he was above all heavens, plural. How many heavens are there? Three. He's a, when he went back to heaven, he went above all three of them. Amen. So when we understand what the Word is teaching and getting those things, and God's placed Him on this earth, and the reason He did is so there would be a possibility that someday as God looked down on earth, I see them down there, and oh yeah, November 14, 2021, there's a lot of them that need our help. So we're going to have to come down and make reconciliation or a way to make peace with them, because as they walk on their own, sin, the devil, the world is so influential, they don't even think about Jesus a whole lot until they realize they're missing out on the peace. They've lost their hope. They are wandering through this world and their opinion don't even count. Because there's so many opinions in the world, and when they realize that, sometimes they snap out of it. And so, when you realize that with, if you would, an enemy of yours, what do you do about it? How do you make peace with somebody that maybe not? I don't. Mean, I don't like to use the word enemy, but somebody that you, you know, aren't really that close. Don't have a whole lot in common with. I don't mean enemies like the fighting enemies or uh, shooting one another. But if you ever had someone that was an enemy, and I'm going to use that term, but you know what I'm talking about now, and then you became friends with them, how easy was that to get from back to... Amen. It's kind of hard to do. Amen. But it depends on how much an enemy... They were before you put the effort into winning them back to you, but it does take some work and it does take some effort, not just on your part, but on their part too, so that we can get back together and be reconciled back to God. Now the point I like about being reconciled back to God is, and me, and if you're reconciled back to God, we've got some starting points to start at. We have peace in our life. We have hope in our life. We have a connection with Jesus Christ that we can at least start from there. Now, if we grow up the tree trunk a little ways, it's going to fork off one way or the other every once in a while. But God may snap that limb off and say, nope, get back to the trunk where you belong. And we need to grow together and be what we can be for God. Now, I think about how easy it was for me to, if you would, make peace with Christ. The outline was right here in His Word for me to follow. Amen. Well, once again, that depends on how far you were from God, how easy it is to come back and make peace with God. I'm not real thrilled with the um, testimonies of either swing of a... Pendulum there. I've heard testimonies of people that say, man, I never did anything wrong. I was great moral. I never smoked, drank, chewed, spit, nothing else. I was ah, just that. But you were still outside the reconciliation peace God wanted you to have. Amen? And then there were those that were at that day. Did they eat, smoke, chew, spit, and carry on and were as far from God as they But God could draw them back through the convicting power of the Holy Spirit, show them how they were walking and how they needed to be brought back into a right relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen? So, uh, before you decide whether it's worth the effort to be a Christian or not, you need to uh, come to a conclusion that, huh, that Jesus guy, I bet he could be a pretty good friend of mine. Hmm. He had a pretty good thing going on after all you realized how much Jesus could add to your life if He was your friend. Amen? So, with that in mind, somewhere in your life you came to the conclusion, if I have so many people I don't agree with, and maybe then I must be the problem. You know, I've had to deal with people in the church that came and sat in the same shoes that you're sitting in that had a problem with that person, had a problem with that person, had a problem with that person. And you know what it came down to? And they come to me for counsel, I say, look in the mirror. You'll find the problem. Amen. When you start pointing to everybody else that's the problem, usually you need to turn around and point right here. Amen. Amen. I just wonder also, that just reminds me. Ladies, so there is two mirrors in the bathroom. Oh, gee, I don't even know where I'm going. But anyway, the first one that you look at in front of the sinks, that's going to disappear. That's not going to be there for in a few weeks for a while. But if you still want to see what you look like when you come out of there, there's a mirror on the back of the door. I didn't know if everybody knew that. I didn't know that until we got to working on it. So anyway, take a look. Amen. Right on, we were we were. Yeah. I know what you're thinking. All right. But nonetheless, uh, the problem most times is right here. And at that point, the convicting power of the Holy Spirit will reach out and tap you on the shoulder. Hey, what are you doing? Amen. If you're the one and only person that's got a problem, maybe you need to look around and, and get introduced to the one that can solve that problem. Amen. One that can introduce you to the peace you so desire and the understanding that you need to walk through this life in a successful manner. And that's Jesus Christ. Amen? This process of understanding and this Jesus and accepting him on his terms, well, guess what? Hmm. Good things are going to start happening in your life. Things are going to start changing. That's what he says in verse number 17. Amen? You'll become a new creature. You get born again, you know what? It's like the blinders are taken off your eyes. It's like the shades are raised up on the windows and you can see out. It's like a lot of things are going to open your mind and thoughts to what's going on around us. Amen? So when you get born again, and that's the one that the Scripture tells us here in verse 17, becomes the new creature. Old things are gone... New things start to appear. You know why they're all new to you? Because you used to paddle your own ship. Now you're allowing God to put you on the path He wants you to go. Amen? And all things become new. It's like you have a new lease on life. Amen? You know, you only got so much of a lease on life to start with. Did you know that? Amen. I don't know how many heartbeats my heart beats per minute, per week, per year, and how many years? I don't know. That adds up to a lot of heartbeats. But God knows exactly when the last one's going to happen. Amen? It's My heart's just on lease. Amen? That lease is going to come up. I'm going to have to turn it in. I'm going to have to go one way or another at that point, depending on the choices I've made since I became a new creature in Jesus Christ. Amen? So if you discover that the the results you found uh, in this new life with your newfound friend Jesus Christ, and peace comes in your life through God and the process of reconciliation, you can have something to rejoice in. You can have something to praise God in. You can glorify God for the plan that He put together through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now Jesus makes it possible for you and God to come together on terms. Any of you ever shook hands with God? Met Him at the UDF for an ice cream cone? Everybody have ever, No? Well, you're probably not going to because God's a spirit. But Christ, who was fleshly, and lived this life and demonstrated it to us, he came to terms with God and makes it possible for us to have the connection we need with God because the sin that separated you and your God, He has a way of removing. Isn't that cool? And the stony heart that you used to brag about, how tough you were, Christ has taken that stony heart out, replaced it with a heart of flesh, And God's Holy Spirit can live in there and write His laws and commandments on your heart and give you direction for your life. Amen. That's reconciliation. That's the peace we should be looking for because the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from our sins and reconciles us back together again. And the Bible even says it's as if you never had sinned before. Wow! Isn't that cool? Amen. Tell me, that's the best deal I've ever made in this lifetime, is when I gave my heart and life to Christ, and He straightened out every curve and bump and pothole in my life. I guess He put down some new pavement for me to walk on. That way I wouldn't be having flat tires all the time. Amen. But in verse 18, He says, Our eyes are open to the understanding of what? All the things of God. Wow, that's a lot. Man, I wish I knew everything God knows. I don't think I'm going to reach that level until I eternally get to walk with Him up there. He says, all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to Himself by Christ Jesus. Amen. For all those wasted years I spent thinking I was in charge of my life, only to find out That the way too many of us and too many of our choices in life were given to me by the one that really didn't have my best interest at heart, the devil. He let me choose all the things I wanted to choose. He let me go anywhere I wanted to go. And the world just patted me on the back everywhere I went that the devil told me I should go. And while the world was out there letting me know that they were just my best friend ever, the Spirit of God was knocking at the door of my heart saying, let me in. I want to reconcile our differences. Amen? I want to come in your heart and make peace with you and you might be reconciled Back to God. Now, once we're reconciled and I was born again, once I became a new creature, now God has opened my eyes to more and more of who Jesus Christ is still today. See, when I wasn't a Christian, I knew about Jesus Christ. Hey, we've we seen Him every Christmas and every Easter. Amen? He brought us a chocolate bunny. Amen? Amen? And He brought us presents, you know, that we could get up early on Christmas morning and open. Wasn't that neat? That's not the Jesus I'm talking about. Amen. Those are the holidays that remind us, if you would, and we even use the slogan, He's the reason for the season. But then on the other hand, if we're not a born-again child of God, we miss a lot of the portions that Jesus Christ still wants us to know about Him today. I look at Jesus as my teacher. I look at Jesus. He's my comforter in times of trouble. I look to Jesus. He's my counselor when problems and issues arise. I look to Jesus. He's my shepherd that leads me to the pastures of fellowship with others that know Him as their Lord and Savior. Those are things that I could have never found if I live according to the dictates of the enemy of my soul and the world that I'm residing in. I have to put those things out of my mind and follow the things that Jesus put in my heart. Over the years, Christ has done so much for me. Our friendship has grown bigger and deeper. It's our fellowship and our relationship. How uh, could I not reach out to others and reconcile with them the way to bring them into this peace that I found. You see, when you get saved, it's just not for you and you only. Amen. And he says here in that particular verse, verse 18, that once we've been reconciled to Jesus Christ, what do we do next? Oh, we start reconciling for others. We start reaching out. That's what he says in 18. And hath given us the ministry of reconciliation. Our job now is to cover the territory that we need to cover to bring others into a right relationship with God. So relying on Jesus, that's one thing. But then to take on the ministry of reconciliation... That's a whole other thing. That's going to cause you to have to put out some effort. It's going to cause you to have to sacrifice. You see, in the original, if you would, reconciliation process, the only sacrifice was the one Jesus gave us on Calvary. His blood washed our sins away. That's what drew us back to where we were in right relationship with God when the sin disappeared out of our life. He took it as far as the east is from the west. That's pretty far. Amen. East that way? No, no, that way. One way. But if you keep going east, you just keep going east, you'll just keep going east and keep going east. You know, as long as you keep going east, you're never going to get to the west. Huh. How about that stuff? And here sins are farther away from you than that. He put them in the depths of the sea. Amen. I would, I'm going to one of these days wonder, what all is at the bottom of the sea? We're missing airplanes. We're missing boats. We're missing all kinds of things. And you know where they're at? They're in the bottom of the sea. And it's too deep for anything we even have come up with to dive down there and recover them. Amen. But they're gone. Amen. And so are your sins if Jesus has made reconciliation arrangements in your life. Amen. That That ministry of reconciliation means you need to live as close to the same way Jesus lived when He put down leather on this earth. Amen? When He walked this earth, He set some patterns for us to live by and go uh, that same way as He lived. Remember back in in verse number 16, nobody really knows you or nobody ever sees you until they appreciate what you've done and they see you under pressure. Amen? Amen? So until you get under pressure or so you go through trials and tests and show that you're walking in reconciliation with God they think you're just got it just like they do things are tough but when they see you have victory in those times under pressure that's what they said about Jesus they couldn't understand how he stood up under that pressure he went before kings and uh, rulers and governors and everything else, and the Scripture said he didn't have much to say about it. Didn't open his mouth a whole lot. Didn't complain a whole lot, because he knew he was in the will of God. Amen? But when we come through that test, that trial or that temptation, then we face it with victory, then the world's going to notice. Your friends are going to see your different than the rest of us around there. Amen. Once God's called you to be an ambassador, and that's what it says in verse number 20, we're an ambassador for Jesus Christ. Our role in life changes from look at me to saying, look to Jesus. That's what an ambassador does. He speaks for somebody. Amen. In verse 20, Paul says, it changes the way we pray. Hmm. Now if you think back about it, I know for some of us it's a long way back there that we were born again. We've been walking with God for a long time. But how did you pray before you got saved? That's a joke if you want to talk about it. Because it didn't even really... uh, We prayed, you know, Lord bless the food, or now I lay me down to sleep... or whatever we prayed as children or young people, or whatever pray we came up with, or the only other time we prayed was under circumstances like Jill brought forth. We were in a problem. We were in a struggle. Amen. When there's no other hope, you know, we looked around for hope and couldn't find any. Finally, we had to look up to find any hope. That's what our prayer life was. But now that we're new creatures in Christ, Paul says... We even pray different. Huh, how about that stuff? Amen. Paul says the p- way we pray now is that we pray that others can make peace with God through Jesus Christ, just like we did. Now, it's a process. Amen. We're not trying to make everybody else a bunch of little dudes. Amen. We're trying to make everybody else little children of God. Amen. And don't, I, I don't like the thought of anybody saying, well, man, I'd like to be just like Brother Dude. No, you don't understand. But nonetheless, we want to make sure we're praying for the people that need God. How many of us have a prayer list of those we want to see come to God? And find that peace with God. I'd say most of us, if it's not a written down list, it's up here. Amen. There are people that are on your heart and when you pray, you want to say, God, reach them. I know you could save them if they would just soften their heart and come to you. Amen. That's what I'd love to see. Think about it. If you was born again, you wouldn't give a hoot. If you wasn't a Christian, you wouldn't care one bit about who you prayed for, whether they'd get saved or not. But now since you've been reconciled, since you've been born again, since you are a new creature, oh, now we do have a prayer list of those that need a touch. We do have a prayer list of those that need help in a way that only God can help them. Amen. Amen. It doesn't mean uh, we're going to be some kind of miracle worker, but we need to allow God to have access to them through our prayer life and through our reconciliated life, if you would, with God, so that we can open their eyes to the miracle that God has for them. Amen? Your heart is to see others find the peace of God for themselves, just like you found it. Amen? In verse 21, it sums up how God's plan come into play for us, in that He became sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be called the righteousness of God. Amen? Amen. I'd rather be called the righteousness of God than to be called a sinner for the devil. Amen. To be the righteousness of God means you live a holy, sanctified life according to God's will. In Hebrews 12 and 14, it says to follow peace with all men and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Amen. I like to add to that, they'll not see the Lord in me. If I'm not walking the holy, sanctified, righteous life that God called me to, I won't have any impact on anybody else. Nobody else is going to see God, or nobody else is going to want to look at me if I'm not walking where God wants me to walk. As an ambassador of Christ, I become a spokesperson for Him. Did you know that? Amen. You're allowed to speak up and say, Hey, Jesus can help you. Jesus helped me and I'm sure He'll help you too. You become His salesman. You become His operators. You become those little Jesuses with skin on them that run all over the place around here. And when somebody's in trouble, you can say, Jesus knows how to help you with that. Amen. I'm, I, I would shiver to think how many children went to Sunday school or kids camp, went home and talked to their parents about Jesus and the conviction fell from heaven. Amen. Happened all the time. Amen. So we need to be true to even the young people and let them know that they can be reconciled back to Christ and they can be the spokesperson, the little Jesuses that can speak for Him and they can still do for others while we're still here in the flesh, we can be the Jesus that they're looking for in the flesh because Jesus now is operating in the Spirit. He's already ran His course and finished it, and now we're to carry it on as His ambassadors. Many people think it'd be uh, nice if Jesus was still here in the flesh. Wouldn't that be nice? Oh, man, the problem is, where would He live? Because once you're in the flesh, you could only be one place at one time. Huh, so God in His wisdom said, that flesh stuff ain't going to work. Because what if he lived in Canada or South America? How would you get a hold of him? And you had a burning question on your heart you wanted to ask him. God, i got to know this answer. Let me go ask Jesus. Oh, well, I guess you could jump on a plane, spend four or $5,000 flying around the world to catch up with him. My luck would be he'd be on another plane flying back to Mason and we'd miss in the midair. Amen. So we wouldn't get to ask the question. But if you're in the flesh, you can only be at one place at one time. So that's why we are His ambassadors. Amen. Jesus can be about anywhere. He sends an ambassador to do His speaking and talking or witnessing or whatever He wants done. Amen. There's no restrictions once there are several that have given their heart and life to Christ. Amen. But when you talk about the flesh... It puts restrictions on your power. When you talk about the flesh, it puts restrictions on your location. When you talk about the flesh, it even puts a restriction on your outreach. There's only so many people I can touch or help or do whatever that Christ would be uh, willing to do if he were here in that situation. But praise God, Jesus laid down the flesh and he moved on through the resurrection to a state that the restrictions of the flesh no longer restrict him to, in his ability to reconcile the way the heart of stone was and bring it back to a heart of flesh, that God can write on his, your heart his will and guide you the life with his eternal manifest of the peace he has for you. I was wondering about this reconciliation for us on this side of Calvary and what we do with it over here where our sins are covered by the Jesus Christ sacrifice on the cross. But how did Jesus, when he walked on this earth, deal with that issue before Calvary, if you would? So I looked it up and studied it. Let me tell you what he would have to say about that in Matthew 5. I'm not going to read the whole thing of it, but in Matthew 5, i I'll pull out a couple of verses, and you can read the context later, but understand. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, and there remember that thy brother has ought against you, uh-oh, leave the gift before the altar, go thy way, first be, reconciled to that brother and then come back to the altar and offer your gift. Now you have to understand under the Jewish sacrificial law scenario where they offer bulls and goats and birds and whatever for sin, amen, before Calvary, amen, and you came and you wanted to get right with God. So you brought your gift, what would it be? Lamb, calf, turtle doves, whatever you brought, to lay down at the altar to be sacrificed for the sin you committed, God would acknowledge that sacrifice if you would, and what He did essentially was roll your sin one more year forward. That was the point that they celebrated the Passover for in the Passover Lamb. But after Calvary, Christ became our Passover lamb, and he was sacrificed once on Calvary. Amen? Now, in the this, on the old law, if you had ought against your brother and God brought it to your attention when you was going to try to get right with God, he said, go make it right with your brother first. I still think that's a good idea. Amen. If God's touching you and tapping you on the shoulder, say, you need to be born again. You need to get saved. You need to live right. You need to be a new creature. And while you're thinking on that, guess what the devil will put on your heart? Well, I remember how you treated her. I remember how you and him got into it. What are you going to do? Take time to go to Him. Say, hey, God's been dealing with me about this. I shouldn't have treated you that way. I shouldn't have been that to you. I should have been more sensitive to what's going on. I want to make it right. You make it right with your brother, guess what? God can make it right with you. Amen. Because if there's anything we don't need in the church is Christians that hold ought against whatever somebody did to them before they got saved, forget it, move on, get it behind you. Make it right. Amen. There we call that restitution. Amen. You stole something from somebody, take it back. Give it back to them and pay them the difference. Amen. Make restitution. And then God can work in your heart and life in a reconciliatory way even better. Amen. Jesus was aware that a peaceful, reconciled life with God means that we need to also be at peace and reconciled with one another. Amen? Hmm. I know. You say, well, Brother Dude, he's an idiot, and I don't have to get right with him. And that's probably 99% true. But on the other hand, God's Word says, if you want to have peace with Him, He wants you to have peace with me, or anyone else that you run across. Trust me. I know that there are people that absolutely will not reconcile with you. Amen. You call them on the phone, they hang up. Amen. It happens all the time. I get hung up on all the time. Amen. I try to help people. <coughs> That's what I hear. Had a lady yesterday call me. I don't know. She called, I look at my phone. I never know who it is on the other end. So I always take it. Amen. She wanted to tell me that she had a special revelation film or something that wanted to teach revelation. Wanted to know if I was interested in joining in with her and her group to learn what the revelation's teaching. And I said, "Well, I don't know, but I said, "Let me just ask you a question. From what viewpoint do you teach revelation? Are you premillennialist, postmillennialist, millennialist? What are you?" Click, gone. That's the end of that conversation. Amen. I guess she knew that I had an idea of what's going on in the Bible, and I knew all the false teachings that are being taught from the Bible. So I don't even need to go into those areas. And she realized, huh, I guess I'm not talking to the dummy I thought I was talking to. Well, I probably was, but she just didn't know my name. But anyway... There are people that you can't reconcile with. They won't talk to you. They'll hang up on you. They don't want anything to have to do with you. But on the other hand, guess what? When reconciliation between you and a brother takes place, that bond from that day forward is one of the hardest bonds that the devil can wedge in and break. Amen? The closest I am to most of my friends today are friends that are Christians. Amen. I have friends that aren't Christians. I don't really have a whole lot in common with them all that much. And we just don't really get to sit down and chew the fat, if you would, and be as close as we'd like. But when I'm talking to someone I know is a sold-out, dedicated, sanctified child of God, huh? even if we disagree on things, we're still going to have peace and move forward. Amen. Amen. He thinks the bathroom in the girls' room should be orange and and they think it should be pink and they think it should be blue and and I'm not going to fight about it because I don't have to go in there. Not my problem. I'm not going to worry about it. There are issues not worth bringing up. Amen. All right. so even our our worst enemies in the world can be reconciled to God if we take the time to stop and reach out to Him. Make a connection with them and allow the gospel that Jesus wrote on our hearts in peace be something that they would find attractive in their life. Amen? How do we know it works that way? Colossians, the first chapter. Verse 18. And he's the head of the body of the church. That's Jesus Christ, who is the beginning and the firstborn from the dead. And in all things, he might have the preeminence. See, God's in charge, and he put Christ over all the things of this earth. For it pleased the Father that in him should be all fullness dwell. And having made peace, through the blood of the cross, of His cross, by Him to reconcile all things unto Himself, by Him, I say, whether they be things of earth or things of heaven, and you that were sometimes alienated. Oh, you were aliens. Amen. I don't even like to watch those movies with the aliens in them. Amen. You were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked Works Yet now he hath reconciled. In other words, it don't matter how deep you were in sin. don't matter where you went, what you thought, whatever. Once Christ gets a hold of your heart, washes that sin away, gives you a new slate, if you would, a new lease on life, a new heart, then things are going to start going the way they should. In verse 22, In the body of his flesh through death to present you... Holy and unblameable and unreprovable in His sight. Amen. Do you know you have to live holy before God? Even if your neighbor disagrees with you? There ain't no way I'll live like that. Huh. Well, verse 23, If you continue in the faith, if grounded and settled and be not moved away from the... Hope of the gospel which ye have heard and which ye preached in every creature under heaven whereof of I, Paul, and made a minister. Amen. So we know it works to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Because verse number 21 says we were alienated. We were against Christ. We were enemies in our minds By wicked works, amen? Yet you were reconciled. If it works for me, it should work for you or anyone else that God sends you to. Amen. Verse 22 tells us, if you would, the goal of reconciliation. It's to present you holy. You know what holy means? Holy is another word for sanctified or another word for saint. Huh, isn't that something? When you get saved, you get to be a saint. That's pretty cool. Amen. He's to present you unblameable. Now, other people will point a finger and say, you're crazy. Amen. We talked about that in Sunday school, how some people think that uh, the people that dress funny or what you'd say is uh, old-fashioned or whatever, if God laid that on their heart, you need to thank God for those people that will take that kind of stand. Amen. You don't know what God's told them to do. But if you do those things and be what God wants you to do, in God's eyes, you're unblameable. Now, if some man points a finger at you and says, don't do that, don't wear jewelry, don't wear makeup, don't, blah, 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 all that legal gumbo, jumbo, amen, that's different. But if God says to you, hmm, you know, God will tell you how to get a haircut. Huh. Can. Hmm. You're going to be a witness for Him. You've got to be something that looks like what God would have you to look like. Amen. He says you're, you can even present you un, uh, unreprovable. I don't even know what unapprovable means. That's too big a word for me. Amen. But God wants you to be exactly what He wants you to be in this lifetime. Not in the sight of those that are blinded to His reconciliation process, but unto God. Amen? Lay hold on this peace, which comes from Christ through reconciliation, and don't ever let it go. Verse 3 says, if, not verse 3, sorry, verse 23. Verse 23, if, you know what that means? It's conditional. If you do, if you hang on to it, Christ's going to be there for you. Amen? Ye will continue in the faith. Amen. If you continue in the faith. Amen. Grounded and settled and be not moved from the hope that's in the gospel. Not the hope that's in this world. Amen. Not the hope that's in your 401k. Amen. Not the hope that's in your savings account. Hmm. I know. Hope is a rare commodity in the 21st century. The devil has crushed hope at every turn. But when we make peace with God through reconciliation with Jesus Christ, our hope can be restored. I can just tell you, God has a plan for my life. God has a plan for your life. We need to just join the team, if you would, be a part, live for God, reach everyone, every wayward soul that we can and lead them in reconciliation for God that God puts in your path and see the glory of God rise to a new level all around you and in your life. Every day. He wants you to be more like Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, there's a whole uh, teaching out there on predestination. And they think that means who's going to get to go to heaven and who's not. That God chooses winners and losers. They don't read the whole verse. Amen. You're predestined, that's true. But you're only predestined to be in the image of Christ. God wants you to be just like Jesus, as close as you can in every situation that comes your way. Amen? If you'll do that, God can get the glory out of your life and reach out and you can be the ambassador for God He wants you to be. And remember, Jesus never said it was easy, just worth it. Let us stand. Heavenly Father, we appreciate this morning the opportunity we have to be the child of God you want us to be. We pray, Lord, that everything we do in our life would be as a result of being reconciled back to you, back into the life that you've called us to have, that you want us to have, and it gives us the peace and hope our soul so much desires. ask you, Lord, just if there's any here this morning, that's running low on peace, that's running low on hope, that's running low on being reconciled back to you and wondering where you are and how to get in touch with you. And we pray Holy Spirit would touch that heart, draw it in close, and let them know your arms are open wide to their prayers. Just bless this morning with victory we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. and I want to say it, if you're not as close to God as you want to be or as you used to be, guess who moved? God has not moved an inch. He's always been God. He'll always be God. And He's always on time. And He's always in the right spot. If you can't reach Him, it's not His fault. It's because you're either looking the wrong way or reaching the wrong way. Amen. We need to make sure we don't look around We look up. That's where our help comes from. And God will meet us and he'll reconcile us and get us back on track where we need to be as a child of his. Amen. Sing one more verse if you would.